In this podcast, I got to sit down and talk to Coach Scott Adubato. Scott's basketball experience takes a backseat to literally no one. He spent several years coaching on the Division I level at Manhattan, Seton Hall, and FIU under Hall of Famer Isaiah Thomas, and not to mention a slew of other stops on the Division I level. He's coached the Ukraine national team and been a head coach in Colombia and Mexico. His dad, who taught him literally everything he knows, was an assistant for those famous Shaq and Penny Orlando teams. Think I'm lying? Go back and watch the third for 30. His dad, Richie, he's in it. We also talked about him training Kyrie Irving, coaching and scouting in the NBA, learning from Jerry West, and much, much more. After all that, I hope you're excited to listen, and your sentiment is the same as mine. Oh, boy. Just blaze. Oh, baby. 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 Oh, and welcome back to the ab pod the ab experience today's guest is a special guest he's coached all over the world he's coached uh national teams he's coached over in colombia mexico he's coached d1 pretty much in all areas of the country uh, he spent time as a scout and coach for the Grizzlies and various, not various, other NBA, other NBA teams. None other than Scott Adubato. How you doing, Scott? Good. How you doing today? It's going great, man. Thanks for thanks for coming on. You're welcome. I appreciate it a lot. Uh, let's get right. Let's jump right into it. Who or what shaped your basketball mind? Who have you learned from that made you the coach, the mind that you are today? Well, it, it started obviously with my dad who was a high school coach when I was a younger kid, so I kind of grew up in the gym. Um, and then as uh, my as I got a little older, um, being around being around my father and meeting all the other coaches that he coached with um, kind of showed me the way. Um, you know, as a teenager, I then fell in love with the game. Yeah. Um, so uh, the various coaches uh, – that have helped me. I'm a high school coach. Was a great coach. He coached uh, Roger Blinn. One wound up coaching St. Peter's College Division One after coaching me in high school. Yeah. Um, so I had some some very good um, mentors, um, people uh, other than my dad, uh, uh, like Mike Vitello and Newby Brown, and yeah. as a younger kid, uh, Dick Vitale. Yeah. Obviously, my dad was a coach, so I was around them yeah, all the time. You, got the you, know, um, you know, being at dinner table, out, yeah. you know, that was his life. So I learned to love it and, and um, you know, their lessons and the things, just sitting there and listening to them speak about the game was, was so important. Yeah. And, uh, you know, lit that fire in me yeah. to uh, not only as a player, but, you as know, coach. becoming – coach later on in life it's great it's great so you you played pretty much played in the 80s right high school yeah yeah high school and college high school basketball in the 80s and uh 
finished my college career 88, 89. Okay. Okay. So it leads into my next question. What's your favorite era or certain type of years of basketball and why? Well, the eighties were fun, uh-huh. obviously, because it was the the bird, magic, Jordan eras, and yeah. um, you know they kind of revitalized that that dark period in the NBA, I guess. And yeah, um, a lot of drug usage. In the yeah, league, a lot of uh, they had a lot of issues. It's not a good time oh, to leave. Though. Yeah, um, but you know they they brought that back. Not only you know as players, obviously, but you know off the court personalities you know um so especially jordan and isaiah and you know those great detroit teams and my dad was a coach with the knicks then um and he was the head coach and like i mentioned before um uh, mike malone the coach of denver nuggets his dad was assistant on that staff with my dad never knew um i said never knew that yeah yeah small small world uh, actually mike malone uh was Went to my old high school uh-huh. and lived with me his senior year while I was in college. And then, obviously, you know where he is now today. Yeah. But his dad, Coach Lou Alcindor, his his dad, Coach Kareem. Seriously? Yeah, Power Memorial High School. Wow. He never lost. So, <laughs> no, I don't think he lost. He didn't. But he I did think his dad coached with him a little bit in, in Sacramento before Mike got fired. And now he's doing great in Denver. I'm not sure anymore. But um, 80s was a special time because um, that's when I first found out the love of, you know, yeah. the game. Um, and your eyes are so wide open, you know. Yeah. And, and newness. Yeah, the, the, the Lakers and the Showtime and, and, and the Knicks. And uh, they were good at that time. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously not anymore. It's been yeah. so long I can't remember. Um, Would you be in a Jersey guy? Were you were you a Knicks fan? Or? I was a Knicks fan. Okay, Still, I was a Knicks fan, and Steve. I liked the Nets. The Nets used to play down at the uh, the rack, which is still where Rutgers University plays when they had the old ABA. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, Julius Irving and guys were playing in that league then. Wow. So, but um, obviously, especially that being assistant coach with the Knicks, I was in college at the time. Mm-hmm. I was at uh, uh, Long Island University, and then um, you know, obviously would go to all the games, and so yeah, yeah, it was fun. Era. Um, I love the era now. You know, uh, I like the things that we've done, and um, you know, the way the game is played. Obviously, yeah, get into that more. But yeah. uh, I would say that eighties era. You okay, know, okay, it was a lot of fun for me. If you could change. If you could, so you so you coach with the youth, you coach with the youth now. If you could change something about youth basketball, anything anything when it comes to youth and basketball, what would it be? What what are some? Is your chance? Is this your chance to vent, right? Well, hey, would be um, setting in more, more time and emphasis, putting more emphasis and setting more time on a practice level. For skills, yeah. Uh, B would be less importance on winning, um, development, uh, and spending more time teaching. Yeah, um, I see that a lot. It's not enough teaching. It's more team. It's more. It's more things get the team better than the players better. That's what I see a lot. It, it's funny because get leading into my third point uh-huh. is 
um, if the parents would just let the kids be kids um, and stop overcoaching. Um, even as as a coach, you know, it, not necessarily. You know, I'm not only. I'm not even getting into uh, the craziness on the sidelines um, and the constant pushing of, of, of the job, you know. Um, the, the, the in the stands coach. They had to. It, it, it doesn't do any good. Um, and a lot of it's just ignorance and lack of experience and, and, and not understanding uh, how important it is to, you know, let, let them play. Yeah. And um, when you put that type of pressure on, on these kids, I don't, it, it doesn't help. Um, you, know, you have enough. What I tell them is, listen, if you believe in that coach, okay, then let the guy coach your kid. Let him do his job. Yeah. If yep. not, then go find another coach. Perfect. Um, but, and you got to understand my, you know, what I'm understanding now is you can't expect too much because people are giving their time. That's true. Okay. That's true. But that doesn't mean you overstepped your boundaries. And that's what happens, I think. And they want to be so good. And, and with the money now and the sneaker and, and the amount of uh, attention that's being put on these kids at such a young age, um, I, I think, you know, the world we live in, you know, the, it, the people feel that they can watch a couple videos and all of a sudden they understand that they're, they're they think they're coaching. Yeah. Um, but just spending that time with these kids is, is, is so important. Um, I'm not, I'm, you know, and just the fact that they can be so overwhelming, these parents. I think that takes such a hard hit, takes so much away from, from youth basketball and youth sports. Yeah. You know, uh, I see it every day. You know, I, after right now, I'm going to leave and coach uh, my son's team, Hoop City, at 2 o'clock and 3 o'clock today. Yeah. You know, and there's so much basketball. I mean, like we played in the winter when I was growing up, and then yeah. you played with your friends at the park. You played in the playground. You went to the Boy Rec Center, yeah. and or, that's what you did then. Well, you played okay. the sport. Your parent wasn't there every day. Yeah. He wasn't in. So I think they need to back off. I think the fundamentals need to be stressed more. Just to take a step back with the winning aspect of it yeah. and let the kids be kids and let them have fun. Let them learn how to win. Let them learn how to lose. You know, um, you know, and get too high, get too low. But the overall thing, are they getting better? You know, are they playing? Are they developing and getting better? And that and that's the biggest thing. So, do you prefer do you prefer the way they do it overseas or over here with with our with our youth? Because well, it's interesting because being, um, I was with the Ukraine national team and uh, we got a chance to watch, you know, Slovenia, Spain, and. and Italy, I mean, you go down the line. I still got those shirts you get uh, into. Russia, you do? Yeah. Yeah. Um, we were able to watch their development and how they handle it. Um, it's, obviously, it's a different game there. It is. Um, and they spend a lot more time on the fundamentals. Um, I think they control it more. I think they do a better job of controlling their coaches and they control 
the control, the aspect, the teaching part of it, the development part of it, the coaching, which is what it should be at that age. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think it's necessarily they. I would take a couple things from them. Yeah. That I just that I just talked about and add it to our game. Um, but overall, um, you know, it was interesting to watch their 14, 15 year old kids and how they practiced and, mm. you know, and it's a lot of big difference. Yeah. 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 A lot more on fundamentals and, and team. It's so much, there's so much emphasis on team. And I think we lose that also in our youth basketball and people, me, 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 me. It, it, it's really, it's, it's horrible to see um, some of these young coaches. These the coaches allow kids um, to just act any way they want to act, take 25 bad shots a game, not get back on defense, yeah. and to let them not be coached. And it's because there's so much talent. Yeah. And afraid to get on. It, it's actually, you know, they're, they're scared to correct the it, it, It's So it leads to bad habits. And eventually, it's going to cost him yeah. because eventually he's going to have to get to another level, and it's going to hurt the kid. Uh, well, I mean, if you look at Antonio Brown, every year, every year or so, a tremendous, incredible talent yeah. goes down, and they ruin their life. And I don't say he ruined it yet, but it's not looking good every single, you know, every day. What's going on <laughs> now? He's on his third team. He got released you know, yesterday. There you go. So. Yeah. Um, all those things, these kids need coaching, they need discipline, they need to be told to sit down, they need to be told to play defense, they need to be told to pass the ball, they need to be told when they drive and three guys converge on them, they don't throw up a shot, they need to be told to run back on defense, okay, and, and that's what I think is really, really lacking, yeah. and I think it's so important that, uh, you know, we just, we got to get a hold of it. And I think USA Basketball, and they've stepped in a lot with the youth sports and everything. It's been all good. We're trying, yeah. you know. It's but it's funny. Right people now. talk about it, and then, like, I'll go to a game last week or go to a game today, and you'll see the same thing. There will always be one or two, you know. I'm not saying all of them. You're exactly right. I know I know what you mean, though. And it doesn't do the kid any good. No. And, and most of them, majority of them never played. Yeah. Okay. And and never even um, – never coached and never played. So – we got to help them, yeah. you know. So, you know, it, this is my third year now of going from 20, 22 straight years on the college and the pro level mm -hmm. as assistant or head coach. And, um, and I got here with yeah. you. It was my first year actually coaching. Um, other than I did, I did do a stand-up in New Jersey with the New Jersey players, yeah. um, which I had – Four pros on my team, and uh, that wasn't too hard. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> you told me. So, you told me when you had the eighth graders. You yeah, Briscoe never lost. And White and uh, White. Whitehead in the backcourt. I mean, there's two guys that both are on NBA teams, and so it made it a lot easier. And Whitehead ended up at Seton Hall, right? Yeah, and Briscoe went to Kentucky, Kentucky, and he was yeah. with the Magic last year. Whitehead is a reserve on one of the teams, the yeah. G League or somewhere. I'm not sure, yeah. but. Good question. It it's definitely needs to be addressed. Um, some days I just walk out of that gym. Disgusted. Yeah. You know, there was an example last week where I had to pull my team over and we got ahead of a good team. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, there were so many parents screaming and yelling during the game that um, I had to tell my kids just to call a timeout and say, you got to stop looking over at your dad, your mom. Okay. Play the game. Listen to me. And what the parents don't understand is you can't handle it as a player. Okay. It's tough to do. When I played, I closed everybody off. I had my coach and my teammates. Yeah. Communicate more with your teammates. Communicate more with your coach. Okay. And that should be addressed. Not worrying about, because when you get to high school and colleges, you know, you don't have time for that. And it, 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 it really messes the game up and people need to just police it better. Sometimes I've been with a couple of referees and told, you know, actually asked people to leave and, and told them, you know, just, you know, sit down and stop tracing the ball. Yeah. You know, when you, you see people running along, they're yelling at their kid as the ball's coming up oh, the floor. Goodness. Yes. <laughs> yes, I've seen. I mean, you've seen that's it all, all. All the stuff that we've seen, and it, it, it's got to change. It doesn't do any good. So that's that's what I'm trying to do to help these kids. Okay. Maybe I can correct it. Can't change the world. It's a great elaborate. Great, just great elaborative answer, man. We, uh, we talked about the international game, and you coached some years in Colombia, and I remember you talking about that place a lot more than your other stops. Uh, what exactly was your time like coaching, being a head coach in Colombia? Well, the reason I well, that was one of the reasons I went um, as a college assistant coach. Uh, you're only as good as your head coach and the success of your program. Um, that being said, um, your your success as a coach depends so much on who you're sitting next to and the winning of your program. Yeah, I know a lot of great coaches, NBA and college today, that don't have jobs or are not are not sitting, didn't never got that head coaching opportunity um, because they were in a situation where they didn't win. You know, uh, so perception is everything, and. You know, a guy at a certain big-time program might get an opportunity more than the other. Well, because he's at that program. doesn't mean he's a better coach than him. Yeah. So, leading back to Columbia, I, I um, had some tough stops before um, the guys that I coached with. Uh, Isaiah Thomas, actually, I left the associate head coaching job to from China, which is a great situation. Mm-hmm. Tough, because... The food sucks there. It's horrible. <laughs> they didn't like the lifestyle. Yeah. But um, what I'm saying that is because I go, I left that job to go with Isaiah, and then he gets into it with the athletic director. Yeah. He leaves. The year before, I'm at Seton Hall University. I'm, I'm with Bobby Gonzalez, who has been a national coach of the year, uh, took Manhattan, a small Manhattan college, beat Florida in the final 32. Wow. Um, won his lead three years in a row, completely dominated, got to Seton Hall. We won 24 games that year, and he got fired at the end of the year. So a lot of you can't control. Yeah, um, I had no control over that as an assistant. They used to bring head coach, used to bring in his guys, his people. Yeah, um, it's very so cut, very cutthroat business. So that's when I said, you know what, I I, I want to go and take this on. Let me go get some head coaching experience. Went to Columbia, uh, and ran my whole ran the whole show, which allows you to do that. Um, How'd you like to do the player personnel, draft the players, um, bring the players in that you want, then coach them. That sounds great. So it, it, it was a tremendous, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. 
the, the coaching part of it. Obviously, you know, it's a lower level league. You don't travel like you would in a high division one or an NBA by any means, but um, hope you like reggaeton, you know, music, but, but you yeah, know, yeah, 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 yeah. Latino music. Yeah. So you better like that. Yeah. Cause you do a lot of bus rides and the music's loud. So, <laughs> and you know, cheap flights, the whole thing, 4.30 in the morning flights to the next city, play four games in seven days That's a tough. week. You play on Wednesday and Thursday, and then you and then you play on Tuesday, Wednesday, you have a day off, mm-hmm. and then you play, you travel to another city and play Friday, Saturday. Take off Sunday, you practice Monday, and then you go to another city and play, or if you're home, you play. But four games in, in, in a week is a lot of, lot of basketball. Not a lot of but, um... It gave me a great understanding of, of, of coach. I needed to be humbled as an assistant. You you think you know everything because you don't have to. You don't have to answer to it. Yeah, you're not making the big decisions. You're not told to to walk to the press conference at the end of the game. You're not walking, dead man walking. My dad used to call it. You know, when you walk down that line to the press conference, you see guys slowly <laughs> walking up after they lose. Yeah, I those see. guys that win are on that mic, man. It's great, right? Immediately but that walk up to the table. Is uh, that's what my pops used to call it. Yeah. Dead man walking. Yeah. So the experience that it gave me, I needed. Um, after working, you know, I wanted to apply my craft, see how what I could do. Yeah. See if I could be a head coach. There's so much in head coaching is leadership. You know what I mean? Um, so much in head, head coaching is the way you handle your players and you handle the people, you handle the media. So it was a big deal. It was it was a good experience, and I got to do all those things that I needed to do. Um, so one day, you know, maybe things can work out yeah. and I can make a break, make a move and, and I'll have that okay. 150 comes to 200 games, wow. um, as a head coach, you know, to do all the things and answer to those people. Um, especially down in Columbia, you don't want to piss too many people off. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some, you call a cartel down there wow. <laughs> that own some of the teams. Yeah. And um, don't get too happy when they lose or when their coach loses. You tell me about that. Yeah. yeah. Players get home, sent home real quick. And I'm sure the guys that you had on your team, mm-hmm. I'm sure you guys you had on your podcast. Um, no, I don't know if you had Lester Hudson, but I'm sure these guys that go overseas, Farrakhan Hall and um, the guys that you mentioned that are playing overseas now, uh, will tell you, it, it, it can be a little crazy. But the coaching experience was I needed okay. as a head coach. You know, yeah. So you've coached, you've coached, of course, you said Columbia internationally, Ukraine national team, Division One as an assistant, Seton Hall, Manhattan, FIU, a slew of other places, and you have NBA experience. How different is it coaching from? So compare Division One international to the NBA. How different is it coaching in those three? Oh, the, the first thing. Is internationally the players, the FIBA, the rules, the game. Mm-hmm. Um, that's can can change the game. I mean, you see, we, you know, asked Popovich, we just got beat. Yeah. Um, the, the zone rules, the style of game, it looks um, the physicality of the game. Yeah. Uh, and I, I've seen some shit like I've never seen in my life. Um, in, over there in Mexico and yeah. Colombia and, and you know the, the physicality of the games and, and um, kind of like the 
the playoff games the old eighties in the NBA. Really? You know, that's what it reminds me. Like I I always remember when the one clip of Bill Lambeer Parrish just smacking the crap out. He wasn't even going for the ball. He just clocked. But and here's the great thing. Those guys would probably be today in this game. They would probably have been suspended ten games. And what they weren't I don't even think a foul was called. If you if you look at the play, that's crazy. I know maybe maybe a tech, right? But then beer goes to the bench, takes a towel, goes back out, and they go right back down the other end, right? I mean, you think about it. That's kind of what goes on in the pro league in Mexico, Colombia, in Ukraine. The physicality of it, the game. Um, If you look at the NBA game, it's so much more wide open. Yeah. Um, It. The speed of the game, um, the the players uh, is is so much better yeah. than the college. Obviously, yeah, you get the best sure. players in the world for sure. So, um, I I think the college game has now uh, gotten better. Mm-hmm. It's still got a ways to go. Um, I like the NBA game because I think they're more creative. As coaches offensively, yeah, um, there's better coaches, there's better players. Again, like I said, um, the level, the the style of play, I think they're more creative. Uh-huh. Um, the NBA, uh, I could take anything away from the college game because I, I, I still enjoy it, but um, it's more of more teams. I think play half court. Yeah. Um, Longer shot clocks. Uh, players aren't as good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there's a, there's a reason only 15 guys on the NBA roster in that graduating class. Yeah. And less than 10 after three years. You take this draft class from last year. Yeah. In three years, there will be between maybe 12 and 15 that are still playing in the NBA, less than 10 that are still starting on a roster. So those other 40 guys that were college so-called stars obviously aren't good enough. Yeah. So, you know, it's still competitive, but um, we talked about it before, the coaching, the style. um, And the game is just, it's just different. It's just a different game. Um, There's still some great teachers, some great games, some great coaching going on in college. I prefer the NBA. Yeah. But if that gives you a kind of a overview of those three roundabout, you know, the differences, I would say. Great, 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 great stuff. We're gonna take a break and we'll be right back. All right, and we're back back with Scott Adubato. We're gonna get right back into it. So, Scott, you have experience as a scout, as a professional scout. What did you look for in college prospects? What makes you say, "All right, we're gonna draft this guy," or "All right, he's on our radar"? Well, the, the first thing I would try to identify is is talent, mm-hmm. is sheer ability, be able to be able to play the game at a high level, mm-hmm. um, and then. I would take the next step would be to look into um, toughness, IQ, um, coachability, um, and the little things that all 
enable a player to make the jump from college to the NBA. Yeah. Um, and those three things are so important. Um, Who I have speed scouted? and quickness was, is another thing. Um, size was so so one. Other than the fact that the guy can play, yeah. he's super talented. Um, my next thing would be Major that I always looked at was size. Yeah. Size for position. The NBA, yeah. college, you can get away with it. Of course. Being on the size guy and still be a tremendous college player. Yes. That's a lot of reasons why a lot of great college players doesn't equate to the NBA. Yeah. Uh, people have a heart. You know, it's tough to identify sometimes. Yeah. You know, they make mistakes every year. I, I look for um, – you know, size, speed, uh, position, uh, you know, skill set at the position. Mm-hmm. Um, now the game is like so much. I've worked for some guys. You know, when I first came into the league, I worked for Dick Versace and Billy Knight. They wanted shooters. Yeah. They wanted size. If they couldn't do anything else, they wanted size. Guys that could shoot with size. Yeah. Um, you know, two very successful guys, Billy, and uh, was with the Hawks and, Dick Versace, of course, but was responsible for bringing the Grizzlies here. Had a lot to do with it. Yeah. You know, with Heisley, Versace, and Baroni. God bless them. Yeah. Um, but work on the road and going out with Jerry West, um, you know, was so valuable to me. Yeah. Um, watching games with him. It's during your time with the Grizzlies, right? Yeah. yeah. His, you know, he, he, was, he was all about size. He was all about um, IQ was big, you know, important. You know, all right, it's right. You can score, but you know when you get to the league, are you going to be able to adjust? Um, because you're not going to be the best player anymore. So the guys have a hard time doing that too. So all those little things, you know, yeah. how he acts to his teammates, or but got to be, you got to be able to play. Yeah, you know, you you could be the best clapper, <laughs> the greatest, <laughs> the toughest guy on the floor. Yeah, you know, hard nosed and dive on the floor and great teammate and all that shit, but. When it, in college, you know what? That can carry you a long way. Yeah. You know what I mean? And we all need those on our team. And we all need guys like that. They're winners. Yeah. But on the pro level. Yeah, you gotta be talented. Be worth. Yeah. That I went to a lot of games and uh, I learned a lot from those guys, especially here with, with Jerry and Brony. And she had some at one point we had uh Chuck Daly on our staff and Bartow. Yeah. Um, I mean just legendary people that I got a chance to to learn and watch games. We're well, gonna wrap up in just a second. I got two more, two more questions for you. Uh, if you look on, if you look on Scott's website, he has a his website triple threat with three S's. Just want to throw it out there. He has a list of players he's coached and trained. The two players that stand out stand out to me since your Jersey guy were Kyrie Irving and Michael Kidd Gilchrist. Since you're a Jersey guy, and I, I just want you to talk about. Those two, since you work with them, how how they are. The Kyrie had a special relationship because he grew up two blocks from where I did, mm-hmm. and as I when I went back to Seton Hall after we got fired here with the Grizzlies, I went back home. Yeah, and I knew Kyrie's dad, Frederick, as a player. We competed in the summer leagues in New Jersey. Okay. He played at BU and. Um, we kind of knew, as I played a little um, pro ball in the summer yeah. in the pro-am leagues, but more importantly, that kind of set the tone. Um, when I got home, I said, "You got to see this kid. 
You know, being local, yeah, I scored a lot of points. You know, the neighborhood, yeah, everybody I scored knows. fifteen hundred, and you know, I scored this and that, and and I went and played. I went on and went and played college basketball or Division One, and then NAI. You know, my yeah. last two years at Upsal College, but you know, our team, high school team, is, and they said, "Well, there's a better player than you. He's a lot better. Yeah, he's a lot better. Yeah, right." And you know, when you, you could see a kid thirteen, fourteen, the first time I walked in, I could see he had it. Yeah, um, he had. Tremendous, unbelievable talent. Um, but the thing that's other than the talent, I started working with him at a young age was um, his just his hunger, his IQ, and his coachability. Yeah. And to be able to listen and translate. And we would, I never had a kid 15 or 16 um, to be able to just say, hey, hey, we're going to work on this and do this drill. Let's work on this and do that. And he just goes right to it yeah. and just wanted more and more. And you could see the drive in him. He's like a sponge. Yeah. And his dad already put it into him, the shooting, because yeah. he had great form. The dad was a great shooter. Um, but he worked at it. And uh, his competitiveness was off the charts. Like if we did – a drill and he wanted it and I put him through the drill and he wouldn't do it too well. He was going to do that in two weeks better than I could do it wow. as I taught it. Okay. You know, and you're talking about a 14, 15 year old kid. That's and obviously impressive. I'm doing these drills every day and teaching pro guys coming yeah. from the NBA. A lot of the stuff I learned from just being around the NBA guys, you know, you pick more things up from them as a coach than you do. And as a trainer, yeah. you know, and what works and what doesn't work, but he he had it, and he's always had it. Unfortunately, you know, because at the next step, when I was hired by Seton Hall, I not only was training him, but then I was recruiting, recruiting him. him. Yeah. yeah, and we got the bad news one night, and uh, it came down to us and Duke, and uh, you know, I'm, it was a tough decision for him. The rest but, is history, right? Yeah. So yeah, he had all those intangibles. So did Michael. So did Gil. I didn't work as much with with Gilchrist as I did with him, but they were kind of buddies. They play, both played the same pass together. Yeah. So they would come in and we worked together. They both had that competitiveness. Now, Mike never really got the shot down that he needed to. Um, obviously, he's still in the league, but I don't think he projected out um, because of his position. He couldn't, yeah. yeah. And his skill set at only being 6'8". Yeah. You know, and that's what a guy like Zion, you guys got to look at, man. You know, I don't want to go off on a tangent, but please, the size is everything. And, um, you know, there's no doubt there's explosiveness and everything, but, Got you know, options. he's got to be able to put the ball on the deck. And he's got to be able to shoot the ball. He's only, he's six, seven. And now he's, you know, talking about Zion, he's ridiculous. Yeah. You know, his explosiveness, his freak athlete. And what I loved about Zion, when we took the Hoop City team down to Little Rock. Yeah, to watch it. Yeah. Two I'll, years I'll ago. You. Yeah, right? Yeah. You were there. What I loved about him was he had an amazing toughness, but he was smart and you could see he knew the game. Yeah. And that's that's what those great guys had, you know? And that's what separates them. So he might be able to make up for lack of yeah. the so called position, the shooting and all that, because of his just freak athleticism. I think he'll be a good player. I don't think he'll be um I don't think he's gonna live up to all the expectation to be honest. That's just me. Really? Yeah. I think he's gonna be a good player. But, but you don't see what everybody yeah. else is projecting. Yeah. Well, every, some people project, and then, you know, ask the people that really do know. Yeah. You know, 
and a lot of times, hey, we make mistakes, man. And a lot of times, you know, why you know, why do guys not get drafted? Um, the guard from Toronto. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, what were what were the thirty teams thinking? Yeah. Twice. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> some of them had two or three picks. Yeah. So it happens. Yeah. So you you don't you don't think he was the number one pick? So who do you think was the best guy from this draft class? I know this I like Barrett. Really? Yeah. Seriously, Scott? Yeah. Seriously? Yeah. What can he do? It's not even that. He just – it's a mindset thing with him. He, he, he jacks up bad shots. Did they win? Did they win? Yeah. Duke? Yeah. No. <laughs> they did not win it out this year. All right. I mean, it, he, I feel like he they jacks They won up. a lot of games, though, didn't they? They did. They did. I'll give you that, but – you gotta look at he had he had the best talent around him, Scott. They weren't winning because of RJ Barrett. No, we're well, not solely because of RJ Barrett. I yeah. feel yeah. he has tunnel vision to me. Okay. I tell you, I see I, that's what I see. He's not much of a playmaker either, from what I've seen. But maybe that'll that'll be different now that he's in the league. Yeah, he'll have shooting around him. They do think he'll have much shooting. Mm-hmm. But that's interesting that you say. RJ is the best guy from the draft. That being said, remember I didn't I didn't we used to have a rule mm-hmm. when we walked into Grizzly office and in the scouting meetings, mm-hmm. you had to see the guy at least three times live. Wow. Three times live. Uh-huh. Preferably and one and oh, practice or two, three games live, and then at least five on tape. So that was our biggest thing. And after doing it for four or five years. That's how you go about it. Yeah. Because I'm just throwing it up there right now. And and if you ask me, I these would be very – I usually don't even go there because if I'm not, it's hard. It's so hard. Obviously, LeBron wasn't hard, but – It's hard to value. That was – yeah. And just the live aspect of it, to really get to know the player. And you could see – how quick he is, how he's low, explosive, uh, that, bah, bah, bah. Yep. It, you got to be at the game. Yeah. So I'm I'm throwing it off. You okay. know, I I, okay. I, okay. I watched it. I didn't study it, you know. Yeah. Obviously, I'm trying to get back in right now as a scout. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, um, you know, I'd love to be doing that again as a regional scout where I could still live here, stay here, yeah. um, you know, with my son and, you know, do some stuff, you know, try to help, you know, Hoop City and try to help. You know, different you kid, different young kids here in Memphis. But um, that being said, I, w- I wasn't there, so okay. hey, Zion might be coming soon. I hope he does because I love him as a, I love him what he does for the game. Yeah, I'm you not. Know? I'm not a big Zion guy either. I think he's good, but I'm not. Right. I'm not over. So who would you take? I like Morant. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie to you. The way he throws guys open, the way he. I love him. Yeah, he left yeah. left hand. No doubt about it. My here's my why I say. Because I I never saw him. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm not doing it anymore. Yeah. I never saw him play. So, you know, Duke is on every night. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, <laughs> You're right. so it's, it's it's ignorance for me. It's easy. You know, that's why I'm sitting here like anybody else. Yeah. You know I what I mean? I see why you say it, man. Yeah. So, and that's why I gave you that rule that we had. You know, we couldn't walk in there. And you better know your stuff when you're walking in there with – you be and Mike and Lionel Hollins yeah, and too. Eric Musselman and just great coaches, yeah. Jerry West. 
<laughs> Billy Knight, okay, and the Baronis and, and those people of the world that do it for their whole life, you know. So it's fun. It's fun. I'm going to get you out of here on this. All right. You've seen a lot of basketball throughout the years. You mean pound for pound, the top five guys you've ever seen. It can be on TV. It can be in person. I know that. I know that's tough. You've seen a lot of guys. No, it, it may not be tough. This one. It may not be tough. Uh, well, how about I go with the guys that I've seen? Okay. Because I was too young mm -hmm. to throw all the old, you know, yeah. Will Chamberlain. I never saw those guys. Yeah. And when people ask me this, that's how I answer it. Yeah. You know, I would say uh, Magic, Jordan. Kobe. No order, right? No order. Okay. Magic Jordan Kobe. Shaq. Shaq. That's a goal. Um and I'm missing one of my This is when it really gets hard. Yeah. Uh It's just off the top of my head. I mean, what LeBron has done. Yeah. Um, it's just so there's five guys that okay. okay. I would, you know, you could ask me this another the next, and I go all day. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> yeah, those would be, but those are the guys that I watch the most. You know, and I all every one of those I coached against mm -hmm. and watched in person. All amazing. There you go. There you have it, everybody. Scott Alvaro. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, man. Welcome to Two Ninety Six Radio. The highest of That's why these hoes been assuming, yeah I'm taking a tour, of course I feel like I'm Peter LaFleur, an average show Damn, I'm flying to get these hoes Nah, I'm straight, I need the paper I run it up, a calculator Niggas been hating like they dog greater But I get it up, see you now, see you later My baby get crazy, my baby get crazy I'm sleeping on niggas, you know that I'm lazy Niggas can't play me, I knock a nigga out I feel like the baby, yeah I gotta get the cake, yeah Niggas, they all at my face, yeah Hit them with the pump fake, yeah. Number one in the race, yeah. I know I'm ready, I feel like I really got something like I said, the spaghetti. I bought with the 50 like Coil McGetty. I'm shot like a knife, I feel like machete. Feel like machete, yeah. Niggas, they been talking all the cash and know they ain't ready. Yeah. I got the bands, look at me. Bands, just a fan, look at me. I'm watching bands, look at me. I got the man, look at me. The bands, look at me. She's just a fan, look at me. I rockin' bands, look at me. Troopers the clan, look at me. I'm on the man, look at me. The word of my hands, look at me. Look at me, 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 Coming for chat, know this a rap, you know it's a rap. Everything I be spitting this, I feel like I'm joy and I feel like I'm brun. I really got whole teams on my motherfucking bag. 
I really got drugs, the sauce, it came on motherfucking hill. I'm about to go just take a trip. I really don't trip, I really get motherfucking chips. Like I nigga work that most, yeah. I'm smoking that gas, I really got time for droves, yeah. I swear I got lean, I feel like I'm young troll. I'm better, I'm better, I'm chasing that cheddar. I really gotta get to that motherfucking seat. I'm better, I'm better, I'm chasing that cheddar. I really gotta get to that motherfucking seat. I'm smoking that gas, I really got time for trolls, yeah. I swag, I lean, I feel like I'm young troll, yeah. I got the bands, look at me. She's just a fan, look at me. Fans, I'm watching bands, look at me. Fans, I got the band, look at me.